one other thing, last week I mentioned one of the older, well, deceased nine and glory men that was so beneficial to me, and there were three or four of them that were really good. I did not tell you that they were um, dispensationalists. I didn't think about it. I was just that was just that generation. Uh, Mr. Barnard, uh, Mr. Tozer. In the early years, A.W. Pink, that has left us so many good books, was, and he said he regretted and wished he could take back his commentary on Genesis because of his early, early beliefs. But all those old men were, they believed that, they believed in the nation of Israel as the nation of Israel, and the church separate. But I hope you are mature enough that if you want to listen to, to those, and that when they get on that, that you can just overlook and remember that they came out of schools and Bible colleges where they were taught that and had been raised under much of the teachings of C.I. Schofield when he came out with his with his Bible, so don't get thrown off the track because I recommend some of those old old men. I still appreciate them uh, and are very thankful to the Lord for them. If you would, this morning, turn with me to the 34th chapter of Exodus. In a few minutes, we'll begin reading with verse number 1. Read down through verse number 8. And I would like to speak to you in particular from verse number 2 where God, where the Lord said to Moses, Present thyself there to me. But there's some other things that the Lord the Lord told Moses here in this chapter and that which took place when he met the Lord the second time on the on the mountain. 
Now he stayed up there 40, day, 40 days and 40 nights just like the first time. You know what happened the first time. He came down and they were worshiping a golden calf. And so the Lord said, okay. You didn't get the message the first time. He's still he's going to be out of your sight again forty more days, and I'll see if you get everything right this time. So God kept him up there forty days, forty nights, receiving the law the second time. Before we read, though, would you would you bow with me as we? Continue our, our worship service. Our Father, it is such a privilege to come before Thee, to speak with Thee, Hopefully hear thee. And to be one in this day. That God. Would have any dealings with. Say anything to us. Whether it be. An encouraging word or a rebuke, it all is still very kind and very gracious of thee to do so to us. And now, my Father, we come to open afresh and anew the account of your servant of old and his encounter with thee. Thank you for the written word. Bring us to the living word. Speak to our hearts, O God. Draw us that we might run after thee. And work in our hearts longing desire for thy manifestation, thy realized presence, and thy glory back in the church. Give help to the hearer, to the preacher. Glorify Thy great name, would you exalt, Lord, your Son, in our hearts this day. We pray in his name. Amen. Exodus 34, beginning with verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first. And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. 
and be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor herds feed before the mount. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning, went up unto Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud, and stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the name and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generations. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Here Moses went as a public figure, public head, over Israel to receive the law of God. All children must have something of this experience, not as a public figure, public head, but as a private child of God. Just get away and get up into the mount and see if he can meet God there. You may not turn, but Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus, seeing the multitude, went up into the mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he taught them. And Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you've got the most lengthy sermon Christ ever preached while he was on earth. But the point is not that that was his message preaching to the multitudes and teaching them, but that he went up and for the multitude to hear or the disciples to hear, they had to get there in that mountain. Now I've had one or two and they did not do it in a negative sense. But they, they said, you're more like one of the old mystics and that's not in a, that's not in a negative sense. In your preaching, and so I guess if they heard this, they would uh, they would uh, call me that again today. 
But I think that which is written, everything that is written has a spiritual application. And if God talks about the mountain and you get above the earth, then it is in the spiritual sense in which he makes reference. No, here it was in the physical, yet to me it must be applied in the spiritual. Now in verse number one here, God gave Moses the responsibility, you hew the stone. You broke the first. You now hew them. Now turn back to chapter number 32. There was another place prior to this, but this is close. So I'll just get you to read with me from verse number 16. Moses had to cut the stones, hew the stones, prepare the stones the second time. But in 32, Exodus 32, verse number 16, And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. God hewed the stones the first time. God, with his own finger, wrote upon the stones the first time. Adam broke both the tables and the writings of God when he sinned there in the garden. And now man must become workers, laborers, seeking the Lord, striving to hear from the Lord. And when you get to that place, God will make you to become the instrument in hewing out the stones or the tables the second time. The writing is still of God. All Scripture, Paul said to Timothy, is given by inspiration of God. It's still the writing of God upon your heart. But as in Christ's day the scribes and the Pharisees had taken the law of God and rewritten it according to their own interpretation and their own desires and how they intended that it be you. Jesus took it from them. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 from the religious abuse that it had suffered in their hands, and he rewrote it upon the hearts of the disciples and his children. He said to them, You've heard that it was said by Moses. And they used the saying of Moses, can't commit adultery, you can't steal, you can't hate, or you can't, I shouldn't have used the word hate there, you can't do these things in the physical. And Christ took it and said, let's put it over into the spiritual. You can't commit murder, but I say if you hate, same thing. 
as committing murder. So he took it out of the hands, the law of God out of the hands of the religious Pharisees, the lawyers, the scribes. And he replaced it by spiritual application upon the hearts of his children. He, he put it back in the original spiritual sense and application in which God gave it to the children. Now when God saves an individual, Exodus chapter number 36, a new heart will I give you. Now I'll take away the stony heart and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Well, guess what's written on that heart God gives you? Now on all quickened, made alive, taking the stony heart out, and giving us a heart of flesh, there is in us, in anybody, that God takes away the stony heart, there is conviction. I am a sinner. I now realize that, been in sin all my life. And that conviction by the work of God, the Spirit, upon our hearts brings us to hewing the tables like Moses did the second time. And once convicted of sin, it brings repentance and confession. David said, I am guilty before thee, O God. Lord, I broke thy law in sin and iniquity did my mother conceive me. Renew a right spirit within, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So now, when God takes away the stony heart, then there is the work previously and afterwards of, of the Spirit of God bringing repentance, confession, conviction, and our acknowledging to God. Not some, not some worker in an evangelistic meeting that says, will you accept Jesus? No, our confession is not there. Our confession is to the Lord. Lord, against me and the only have I sinned and done this iniquity. But God will have you preparing hearts, tables, in the second work because... We came into the world having broken the law of God. Throwing it down. Now would you turn with me to Second Second Corinthians chapter number three?
2 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of heart. God did it. But there was this work you did. God wrote it. You repented. God convicted. You confessed. Now, folk, if you are around people long enough and have any discernment whatsoever, it won't take long to determine he or she exhibits the characteristics of a child of God. And you will also find a non-exhibition of the, of, the, of the characteristics of a child of God in an unbeliever. Just listen, just watch to what they say and oftentimes more of what they don't say. And you can read people. We're an open book, read not only to God. Paul said, ye are our epistles. I, I look at you and I can read what's written on your heart. Now folks, sometimes your heart's so crowded with your own ideas interpretations of scripture, your religious views, that it takes great effort. I spent many more years unlearning what I thought the scriptures taught than I have in learning what they taught. It takes great effort on your part to walk up to God and present to Him an empty table. Here's my heart. To the best of my ability, I have, I have cleansed this old table. I've got I've gotten rid of the crowding of the crowded writings that was upon my heart. And now I bring this I bring this plain table to you for you to write upon my heart. James said, Children, lay apart all filthiness. And superfluity of naughtiness, that's your work, that's you hewing, you hewing the table, you hewing the stone. Lay apart all superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. You better have come in here somewhat with a prepared heart. Or God's not going to write on it. Or you better be preparing it now or God's not going to write on it. Lay apart all filthiness. 
Oh, naughtiness. Naughtiness is a word that we do not hear today. It's an old English word. I say you don't hear it. I don't know. You might. But it used to be spoken by parents to their children. Now, you're just naughty. You shouldn't behave like that. God said, I want you to lay aside that naughtiness. Superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. Jeremiah 4, Jeremiah said to the men of Israel and of Judah and Jerusalem, here's what God says to you, break up your fallow ground. Plow it and plow it deeply. Those of you that will plant gardens in a few weeks, you won't go out there on hard, unplowed, untilled soil, because you know it won't receive the seed. But you'll plow, and you'll want to get down deep into the soil so that if we have a dry, dry summer, that the deep plowing will hold maybe the spring rains and the moisture so you can receive. You know about it, I guess every one of you here still do or have had gardens, and you know something about fallow, unplowed, untilled soil. Plow it up. And so not, so not among thorns. You remember in Genesis 3 when God came to pronounce to Adam the result of or what it would cost him because of his sin? By the sweat of thy brow, you're going to go out and you're going to plant. But where you plant, the, the, the ground is going to bring forth thorns and thistles. That means this is, this is typical of, the, of, the, of men and women's hearts. You come into the world and you've got a lot of things. You as a Christian, you've got a lot of thorns that will choke out the good word of God. So not among thorns. When the, when the disciples asked the Lord Jesus in Matthew 13, tell us about that parable. He said, okay, here's the one where the seed fell among thorns. Oh, they heard. But there were so many thorns in their heart. They said, well, what are the thorns? And he said, the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of life. Children, these things are crowded, crowding out. These things are so written upon the tables of our soul that we cannot receive the engrafted Word of God. Prepare your heart. It's been unproductive. It's been unplowed. Break it up. 
Make it smooth. Erase what you can to get it uncrowded. You prepare your heart. Well, isn't that the work of God? Yes and no. God gave you a new heart, but it's your responsibility to to get it so uncrowded that all these thorns that were in our heart and remain in our heart will not choke out the good seed of the Word of God engrafted in your fleshly heart. Now verse number 2, Exodus 34. And this is, this is very, very precious. Very kind and gracious of the Lord. First phrase, be ready. Number one, come up to Mount Sinai. Number two, be ready in the morning. How great the mercy of God is there exhibited to Moses. You got all night. You got your journey up into the mountain. Because you know tomorrow... You meet me. God in grace and mercy has given us this day. I don't know if we'll meet him before nightfall. I don't know. But I know that that is lightly considered today. Be ready in the morning. Turn with me to Joshua. Joshua chapter number 7. You know the history here, Israel. One man has sinned. And it's cost the people of God. 36 men's lives. 36 men won't go to their homes that night, see their children, see their wife. Because when they left that morning, Israel was under condemnation because of one man's sins. What it sins, yes. Joshua's on his face, and God says, get up. I'm not going to listen to you. You can, you can lie here and wallow in self-pity, but it's time for you to get up. And you and I, are you listening to what i got to say? This is what you have to do, because Israel has sinned and taken of the accursed thing. 
Now, in verse number 13, Joshua 7, God said, Ups, sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Now, if you give me a minute, I'm, I probably will repeat this, but in the text today of Exodus 34, God said, In the morning, present thyself to me. And that word present is also translated stand. Now, can you imagine we as we are having to stand in the presence of God? And God told Joshua, Israel will not be able to stand before any of their enemies till you get this thing straight and you get the accursed thing out from among you. Now listen to verse number 14. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof. And the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households. And the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. Now, there's a man with a guilty conscience because he sinned. That man's got all night, all night, and up in the morning before he has to face God that knows everything. I don't know how. He could put it off or excuse it, but maybe he reasoned like this. Someone else in the camp has committed a greater sin. Mine's not too great after all. I just took a wedge of gold, a few shekels of silver, and a Babylonian garment. That's not too much. Maybe God's going to pick out somebody else that's worse than me. And he didn't do anything about it that night, knowing that Israel would stand before God the next day. Children, children, you will stand before God before long. You've got today, now, maybe tonight, maybe another week, I don't know. But in the morning... God called the tribe of Judah. That's getting a little closer to Achan. But still he puts it off and he excuses himself. And then God took the family of the Zarhites. Achan's like a man standing on a platform where they're fixing to pull a lever and the noose around his neck continues to get tighter and tighter 
until the door opens. And that door's going to open in a few minutes. They took the family of the Zarhites. And of the Zarhite family, man by man, till Zabdi was taken, he brought his household until Achan was taken. It cost him his life. It cost him the life of his wife and of his children. It cost him all of his family. Please do not excuse this incident as the God of the Old Testament. God changes not. Maybe there's someone here that's just not right with the Lord. You might speak in your soul this day in the morning. Oh, the mercy of God to give you till the morning. In the morning thou shalt stand. But Moses is a holy man. He's a great man. He's met God before. Yes, but every time it is an awesome thing to be called into the presence of God. Now God can be the easiest being in the world to speak with. He can. He will welcome you as a child. He will listen to you. Welcome you with open arms. Come, sit down, let's talk. But it will always, always be with reverence and a godly form. That God that you approach is not, he's, he's not one of the good old boys, he's not the man upstairs, he, he is not a buddy-buddy with you, he's God. And though he'll welcome you with open arms, you will go with an awareness that God's holy. You go with this, Psalm 89, 7, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. God is to be had in reverence of all them that are about Him. You bend your knee, you bend your knee as a sinner, as a sinner talking to a thrice holy God. He will, He will welcome, He will hear. But there will be a reverence in your heart when you speak with this God. Leviticus 10, I will be sanctified in all them that come nigh me. In this same book of Exodus, much of it is spent on the design and construction of the tabernacle, which is a type of Christ. The offerings. And God said, when it's, when it's put up, you're going to have this brazen lava. Brass speaks of the judgment of God. 
And then there's going to be this mirror where he took the looking glasses of the women and built a mirror in it. So when you come to this looking glass, you're going to see yourself. And I, I will not be approached by you if you got dirty hands or dirty feet. So you wash your hands and your feet. Who shall ascend into the hill of God? Who? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, that has not lifted up his soul to vanity. Be ready in the morning and come up. Leave everybody behind you. Would you turn to Deuteronomy 26, and I guess this will be the last I ask you to look with me this morning. It's very easy at times to speak with the Lord, yet every time I must ascend. And every day I find it a challenge for me to get above everything. such a being 
I find it an impossibility to express my heart knowing that he knows, but I don't know the words. Because he'd have me talk with him as a son to his father. Tell me all about myself. I know that God's omnipresent. You know that. He's in all places at all times. And yet, I'm called upon to ascend to a place above the realm where I live called this old earth. Ascend to the mount of God. I'm called to enter the closet and shut the door. Now, if it was as easy as just locking the door of the room where you go to pray, none of us would have any difficulty. If you tell me you have no difficulty shutting your mind's door, when you talk, when you begin, when you plead with the Lord, To stop all this noise, racket. And let me commune. If you tell me you have no difficulty doing that, I I would pay you well. If you charge too much, I'll borrow from Larry, or if he doesn't have it, I'll get Tim to let me borrow a little. I'll, I'll pay you well for your time to stand out there and tell me how you do it. There's so much noise in our heads today. Sometimes I envy the old pioneers, not in the struggles and the physical. But I envy their lifestyle. If they heard from from the neighbor, that neighbor might have to ride or walk, ride a horse, or buggy in a buggy, or walk a few miles to get to them. They didn't have anything but taking care of the family. The wife in the home taking care of her responsibility, the husband taking care of the responsibility of trying to provide food for them. And yet today, there's so much activity that you are involved on. It's almost impossible to get silent before the Lord, to know anything of a degree of reverence. Oh, we know all about religion, and we're supposed to pray, and we're supposed to read. We know all about that. But I'm talking about in a place above this old earth. Towards you and God. I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter how much is laid upon you by way of responsibility for the day. There needs to be silence. There needs to be within your soul the Spirit of God 
looking at all noise. You locking the door. You might, you might even be walking around in the woods where the door is shut. But you need to get to a place where there's nothing but you and God. Everything blocked out. Be silent, O flesh. Zechariah 2.13 Before the Lord. Have you ever been so taken up with the presence of God Almighty that you dare not open your mouth? told you about two old men that went out to pray a few hundred years ago. One of them, one of, both of them were godly men. The one that was telling this, telling this incident, a very godly man from all that knew him and wrote about him. But this man said as he, as he knelt there with the other and listened to him pray, that he pulled his arms in close. He dare not stick him out, afraid that he might touch God. He said, all that night, I just said, oh, my God, my God. Couldn't say anything but that. Oh, my God. About all we're sensitive to today is the people around us, the duties, our religious activity. And we come without and we leave without an awareness of the being of God Almighty in our presence. And I'll close close with this. You come up in the morning, present thyself. I've already told you what that is, so for the second time I won't repeat. Present thyself. And guess what happened when Moses went up in the morning? And the Lord descended in a cloud. Get as still, get as silent as you possibly can. As quiet within as you plead with God to help you as you begin to speak with Him. All that you do, writing, cleaning up the table, shooing them out, Presenting yourself to the Lord, you can only ascend so high, but you'll find always when you put forth an honest effort applying to God for help, you'll always find the Lord descending to meet you. And the Lord descended in a cloud. See, we can't handle A sight of God. When Moses in Exodus 20 went up to receive the law the first time, it said that he drew near unto the Lord in thick darkness. That's the only way God can talk with us. Solomon said in building the, building the temple, the Lord has said that he'd dwell in thick darkness. Jesus went on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, and there was a cloud that overshadowed Christ with God laying back a little 
of the glory that lay in that in that God man Jesus. His garment was whiter than anything that ever seen, whiter than fuller soap could ever make it. And Peter said, It's good for us to be there. And God said, His Father said, I'm the cloud. This is my son. And Peter shut his mouth. You listen to him. I tell you, it's difficult, but it's not impossible for you to ascend above life and its demands. It's impossible within your own being. You can't do it. I can't do it. But I won't leave you with that. I'll leave you with this. When you put forth the best effort you can, you'll always find God descending to the place you ascended and commune with you there out of the cloud. Moses, you hew two tables like unto the first in the morning. Got all night, but in the morning, by the time I've given you, you be prepared to meet me. top of Mount Sinai. And there on the top you present thyself to me. Children, present yourself to the Lord. That Almighty God might present Himself to you before you actually are called upon to stand in the immediate presence of God. You've got today Hopefully all day, maybe tonight. You might have another year. I don't know. Don't know about me. I doubt that those ever have many, 24, 25, or ever have many, that were killed in Alabama a couple of weeks back, I doubt any of them got up that morning thinking, I've got to meet God today. And the hundreds upon hundreds that will be killed today in automobiles, I doubt any of them got up thinking, I've got to meet God today. Hundreds upon hundreds that die of heart attacks today. I doubt they think I got to meet God today. Proverbs twenty-seven, one: He that being often reproved, often reproved, and you continue to harden your neck, God said, you shall suddenly be cut off. And that without remedy. In the morning, come up. In the mountain, to the top of the mountain, I'll come down. And you and I will commune. 